Section 9 of National Geographic Magazine, Volume 1, Number 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avaii in October 2012. Topographic Models, Part 2 by Cosmos Mindelev. It has been frequently urged by the advocates of large exaggeration that the details of a country cannot be shown unless the vertical scale is exaggerated, that hills 200, 300 or even 500 feet high, depending of course upon the scale, flatten out or disappear entirely. This seems plausible, but the advantages of great exaggeration are more apparent than real. Its effect upon the model has already been mentioned. It should be added that, with the proper amount of care in finishing the model, exceedingly small relief can be so brought out as to be readily seen. With ordinary care, one fortieth of an inch can be easily shown, and with great care and skill, certainly one eightieth and probably one hundredth of an inch. Another plausible argument that has been advanced in favour of vertical exaggeration as a principle is well stated by Mr. A. E. Lehmann of the Pennsylvania Geological Survey in a paper on topographical models, read before the American Institute of Mining Engineers in 1885. A perfectly natural expression is of course desired, and to cause this, the features of the topography should be distorted and exaggerated in vertical scale just enough to produce the same effect on the beholder or student of the district or country exhibited as his idea of it would be if he were on the real ground itself. Care should be taken, however, not to make the scales so disproportionate as to do violence to mental impressions. Often, indeed, prominent or important features, when they will bear it, may be still more effectively shown by additional exaggeration in the vertical scale. The fallacy of this argument is obvious. It assumes that the object of a model is to show the country as it appears to one passing through it, and not as it really is, and there is often a very wide difference between the two. The impression derived from passing through a country is, if I may use the term, a very large-scale impression, as anyone who has tried it can certify. It is certainly a mistake to attempt to reproduce this impression in a small-scale model with the help of vertical exaggeration. Even if the principle were a good one, its application would be very limited. It could only be used in large-scale models. To apply it to a model of a large area, the United States, for example, is obviously absurd. The method referred to as being now generally in use may be briefly described as follows. Requisites, a good contoured map, a assured map in addition, if possible, a clear conception on the part of the modeler of the country to be represented, and a fair amount of skill. Materials, a baseboard of wood or other suitable material, cardboard or wood of the thickness required by the contour interval and the scale, and modelling wax or clay. Procedure, reproduce the contours in the wood or other material, 
mount these upon the baseboard in their proper relationship then fill in the intervening spaces and the space above the topmost contour with the modeling material in a series of models of the grand divisions of the earth made about a year and a half ago the contours of cardboard were made as follows the map was photographed up to the required scale and as many prints were made as there were contour intervals to be represented in a model of the united states of one thousand feet contour interval there were fourteen prints thirteen of these were mounted upon cardboard of the exact thickness required by the vertical scale and one upon the baseboard all large paper companies use a micrometer gauge and cardboard can easily be obtained of the exact thickness required even to less than the thousandth part of an inch the lowest contour was then sawed out upon a scroll saw and placed upon the corresponding line of the map mounted upon the baseboard this process was repeated with each of the succeeding contours until all were placed and glued into their proper positions at this stage the model presents the relief in a series of steps each step representing a rise corresponding to the contour interval the disadvantages of the method lie in the fact that unless the greatest care is exercised in making the photographic prints there will be considerable distortion owing to the stretching of the paper in different directions and consequently much trouble in fitting the contours if care be exercised in having the grain of the paper run in the same direction in all the prints trouble in fitting the contours will be much reduced but the distortion in one direction will remain in our experience this distortion amounts to about two per cent in other words a model that should be fifty inches long will in reality be fifty one inches but as this error is distributed over the whole fifty inches it is not too great for an ordinary model if greater accuracy be required it can be secured by transferring the contours to the cardboard by means of tracing or transfer paper the great advantage of the photographic method lies in the fact that when the model has been built up with all the contours in position it presents a copy of the map itself with all the details drainage etc in position instead of blank intervals between the contours such details and drainage are a great help in the subsequent modeling the next step in the process is to fill in with clay or wax the intervals between the contours i have always found wax more convenient than clay for this purpose as unless the surface coating is a thick one the clay is difficult to keep moist to obviate this difficulty some modelers have used clay mixed with glycerin instead of water this of course does not become dry but the material is at its best unsatisfactory the filling in process is the most important one in relief map making for it is here that the modeler must show his knowledge of and feeling for topographic forms some models seem to have been constructed with the idea that when the contours have been accurately placed the work of the modeler is practically done this is a great mistake the cardboard contours are only a means of control occupying somewhat the same relation to the relief map that a core or base of bricks or a frame of wood 
subject us to other constructions as for example an architectural ornament or a bust it is sometimes necessary to cut away the contour card for as has been already explained a map is more or less generalized and a contour is frequently carried across a ravine instead of following it up as it would do if the map were on a larger scale such generalizing is of course perfectly proper in a map but with the same scale we expect more detail in a model the modeler must have judgment enough and skill enough to read between the lines and to undo the generalizing of the topographer and draughtsman thus supplying the material omitted from the map this can be done without materially affecting the accuracy of the model considered even as a copy of the contoured map the contours of cardboard or other material are let me repeat only a means of control the perfect modeler a variety by the way yet to be evolved would be able to make an accurate relief map without them in the same way that other subjects are made as for example a flower panel an architectural ornament or any other subject in low relief where the object sought is artistic effect and great accuracy is not a desideratum it is the converse of this idea that has produced the numerous models that one sees accurate enough perhaps but wholly expressionless and absolutely without feeling this is the great fault of nearly all models made by building up the contours in wood and then carving down the shoulders it is then necessary to sandpaper them and what little character they might otherwise have had is completely obliterated by the sandpaper such models almost invariably look wooden let the modeler then have a clear conception of his subject and not depend wholly on the contours and let him work out that conception in his model controlled and helped by the contours but not bound by them the resulting model will thus be far more satisfactory and a far better representation of his subject in other words it will be more lifelike more nearly true to nature the model provided it be not of clay is sometimes used in the state in which it is left when finished it is much more common however to make a plaster mould and from this a plaster cast for this purpose a moulder is usually called in but moulders as a rule are ignorant men accustomed to one line of work only and the result is not always satisfactory it is much better for the modeler himself to do this work though to obtain good results from plaster it is necessary to know the material thoroughly and this knowledge comes only from experience the mould is generally made quite heavy in order to stand the subsequent hard treatment that it may receive and should be retouched and thoroughly dried before being prepared for the cast the method used by some modelers of placing a frame about the model and pouring in the plaster filling the frame to the top is a crude and very wasteful one and not at all to be recommended in a model of large size say seven or eight feet square it would require a derrick to move the mould it is wholly unnecessary as with a small amount of care a good mould can be made not more than an inch thick or at most an inch and a half 
the drying of the mould before use can sometimes be dispensed with but is always desirable nearly all american moulders as distinguished from french and italian ones varnish the mould and thus lose some of the finest detail and sharpness this is unnecessary the mould can be easily prepared with a solution of soap so as to leave nothing on the surface but a very thin coating of oil which is taken up and replaced by the plaster of the cast of course if the model has been sandpapered no fine work in moulding or casting is necessary as there is nothing to save if the subject is a very intricate one with undercuts as they are called it is customary to make a waste mould as this is very seldom necessary in relief map work however the process need not be described to make the cast it is only necessary to repeat the processes used in making the mould with great care and some skill a cast can be produced but little inferior in point of sharpness and detail to the original model it is customary to make the cast very thick and consequently very heavy this is unnecessary in our work we seldom make a cast thicker than one inch and yet are never troubled with changes in the model after it is finished even in a very large cast now in the national museum weighing nearly one thousand five hundred pounds and presenting a surface of over one hundred sixty square feet the average thickness is less than one inch although it required over five barrels of plaster to make it the cast after being thoroughly dried should be finished all its imperfections being carefully repaired the surface however should be touched as little as possible as the slight roughness of surface that comes from the original model through the mould is removed by any tooling this roughness adds much to the effect of the model in fact where the scale is large enough it is sometimes desirable to emphasize it the proper way to paint a model is a matter that must rest principally upon the judgment of the modeler depending to some extent also on the use to which the model is to be put the plain cast is sometimes used drainage lettering etc being put directly upon it this has the advantage of preserving all the detail that comes from the mould but it also has the disadvantage of a surface easily soiled and impossible to clean if the model is to be photographed the surface should be nearly white in our practice we use a small amount of yellow with the white the yellow is hardly appreciable by the eye but its effect upon the photographic negative is quite marked yellow becomes gray in a photograph and in a photograph of a model colored as described a gray tint is given to the whole surface the high lights are not pure white and there is no harsh contrast between light and shade there is another point of great importance in photographing models the surface should have a dead finish that is should have no gloss or at most should have only what is known among painters as an eggshell gloss it is almost impossible satisfactorily to photograph a model that has a shiny surface any portion of a model that it is desired to separate from the rest should be painted a different color the water for example should be painted a light blue not a blue composed of indigo however or any of the gray blues 
as these produce in the photograph a dead grey and are not pleasant to the eye the most satisfactory colour that we have used is a mixture of cobalt the purest of the blues with antwerp blue which is quite green and white this gives a colour that is pleasant to the eye has the retreating quality to perfection and photographs well models intended for exhibition as such should be painted realistically there is room here for an immense improvement in the usual practice which is to paint the model either in some conventional scheme of light and shade or else to put a single flat tint upon it if the model is to be coloured conventionally it is in my opinion much better to use a flat tint light in tone and with a dead surface the use of a variety of colours upon the face of a model interferes materially with the relief especially if the relief is finely modelled for this reason models coloured to indicate geologic formations should always be accompanied by duplicates representing topography only coloured realistically if possible and without lettering well-defined lines other than those pertaining to the model itself such for example as those used to define the boundaries of geologic formations should not be allowed upon a model when it is desired to bring out all the relief the lettering on such models should be kept down as small as possible or wholly dispensed with the letter is much the better method the cheap reproduction of models is the most important problem connected with the art and the one that is attracting most attention among those engaging in it as until models can be reproduced cheaply they will never have any wide distribution and there will be far less incentive to the modeler various materials have been suggested and experimented on but nine-tenths of the models that are made today are made of plaster of paris although this material was the first to be used for this purpose it has not yet been superseded a plaster cast is heavy expensive and easily endured but plaster gives an accurate copy of the original retains permanently the form given it and is easily finished and repaired the weight is an obstacle that can be easily overcome by the incorporation in the plaster of fine tow or of bagging or netting of various kinds the cast can be made very light and at the same time strong but the expense is increased rather than diminished by this method models made in this way however have the advantage that when broken the pieces do not fall out they are however fully as liable to surface injury as the other kind the large cast in the national museum before referred to was made in this way it weighed nearly two thousand pounds when boxed not an easy thing to handle but it stood shipment to new orleans and back without suffering any material injury this would hardly have been possible had the cast been made from plaster alone paper seems at first sight to be the material best adapted for the reproduction of models but no one has succeeded well enough with it to bring it into use like nearly all those who have given this subject attention i have experimented with paper but the only positive result has been a loss of a large part of the confidence that i once had in the suitability of the material 
paper has been used extensively for large-scale models of pueblos ruins etc but i have never obtained a satisfactory result with subjects in low relief and fine detail a paper cast may look well when first made but it absorbs moisture from the atmosphere and contracts and expands with the weather the contraction is apt to flatten out the model and the expansion to make it buckle up casts of models have been made in iron but this while suitable perhaps for models of mounds and subjects of like character would hardly be applicable to small-scale models with fine detail such casts require too much surface finishing the material known as lincrusta walton seems to me to be the ideal material for this purpose it is tougher than rubber will take the finest detail and its surface can be treated in any way desired unfortunately the manufacture of models in this material would require expensive machinery and is outside the scope of a modeling room should it ever become commercially advantageous however casts of a model of ordinary size in every way equal to the original can be turned out in this material at a very small cost it remains to speak of the reproduction of models by process engravings a method that will probably receive much more attention in the future than it has in the past it is perhaps along this line that the cheap reproduction of models will develop but the subject is too large a one to be adequately treated here and must be postponed until some future occasion end of section nine